Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We've covered a lot of subjects in the hundreds, if not thousands, of programmes that we've made over the years, Colin, but we've just been saying we don't think we've ever made a series about the church. So uh, this week you're going to be talking about God's purpose for his church. Yes, um, uh, we've obviously mentioned the church many times in different aspects of the church, but I think it would be good for us to try to get a biblical understanding of what church is what God wants the church to be. Uh, Jesus himself said very little about the church. In fact, you can sum up all that he said in one statement, I will build my church. Um, But that is a key statement because he doesn't say, I will build your churches, but I will build my church. So, If we're going to understand church from God's point of view, which is what the scriptures help us to do, then the first thing we have to realize is that God only has one church. Now, certain denominations claim to be that one church. The Roman Catholic Church claims that. The Eastern Orthodox churches claim to be the one true church. Uh, And many... Uh, new churches that come into existence claim to be the true church, that they um, say that the justification for their existence is that they are getting back to Scripture, back to what the church is supposed to be. Well, now, before we, we talk about denominations and different kinds of churches, we have to get a handle, first of all, on what God means by church. I will build my church. Now, what does he mean? Well, obviously, he's not talking about buildings. Buildings are totally irrelevant to the call and and purpose of the church. We need buildings within which to meet. But to think of buildings being in the same um sort of league as the temple was in the Old Testament is to completely misunderstand the gospel because uh, the temple of God is not now in buildings, but we are living stones in the temple of God. So the temple of God on earth, the church of God on earth is people. Right now, Who belongs to the church? Not those that are born into a state church. There are many state churches that exist in northern Europe. Uh, Not uh, babies that simply have water poured over their heads uh, when, when they are young. But from a scriptural point of view, the church exists of those who are born again and have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those two things go together. They're like two sides of the coin. And only when a person has been born again and has received the Holy Spirit does he become part of the church, or to use some of the other phrases of the New Testament, a member of the body of Christ, 
or part of the true vine of Jesus. Now, Paul refers to the church as the body of Christ. What does he mean by that? Well, he means, you see, that you have to be incorporated into Christ to be part of his body. And it is very clear from the teaching of Scripture that to be incorporated into Christ, three things are needed. Repentance, faith, and baptism in water. That incorporates you into Christ. Then once you are incorporated, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So uh, if we take those first three, the repentance, the faith, and the baptism, you are not incorporated by the baptism without the repentance and faith. Neither are you incorporated by the repentance without the faith or the faith without the repentance. All three of these things are necessary. Now, let me justify this from Scripture so you know these are not my ideas, but they are the teaching of the New Testament. Right at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus said, The time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The good news of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom that we've been talking about the last few weeks. So the church consists of those who have repented and believed, but it was also necessary for them to be baptized. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost when um, Peter and the eleven stood up and they preached uh, to the crowd of thousands that had gathered? Um, and the crowd came under such conviction that they started crying out, what then must we do? And uh, Peter said, repent and be baptized. So uh, the baptism was absolutely essential. You remember when Philip uh, was um, going on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, uh, which the Spirit had told him to do, and uh, he met up with the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, he rode in his chariot with him, opened up the gospel, opened up the scriptures of Isaiah, actually, um, explaining all about Jesus Christ. And they came to a pool of water, and the eunuch said, you know, what is to prevent me from being baptized? He saw immediately that now he believed he needed to be baptized. And that is the time to be baptized, um, to be incorporated into Christ when you have repented. Now, that Repentance involves two things, forgiveness of sins and a turning over, a yielding of your life to God, submitting yourself to his lordship. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he is the Son of God who died on the cross in order that you may be forgiven of all your sins, was raised that you may be raised with him to new life, be born again, be given an entirely new life and become a new creation and you are baptized into Christ, signifying that now the old life has gone. Literally, as you go into the waters of baptism, you are immersed. You are, it's, it's like a symbolic drowning, that my old life is now drowned, it's dead, it's buried, it's finished with, and you emerge as the new creation. Now, the interesting thing is that when Jesus was baptized, he did not... Um, 
received the Holy Spirit when he was in the water, but when he came up out of the water and was praying, then uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him. So uh, having been baptized with water, people also then need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And of course you can do that there and then. Uh, there, there, are there is evidence like, for example, with the believers in Samaria in the Acts of the Apostles, they had received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water. But you'll find that those four things are always there in Scripture. The repentance, the faith, the baptism in water, and the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I can already hear some people saying, but in our denomination, we don't baptize adults. Now, what would you say? Uh, that you are in a church that is acting in a non-biblical fashion um, uh, because there's no way that a baby can repent and believe and nobody can repent on behalf of anybody else. And you can't actually believe on behalf of anyone else. You can believe with others, but you can't believe for others. So... Um, Biblically, it is a nonsense. Infant baptism, as so-called, it cannot be justified biblically. Uh, people um, sometimes refer to the jailer, for example, in the Acts of the Apostles, he and his whole household were baptized. But then it says that he and his whole household believed. So he obviously didn't have young babies uh, in his household if they all believed and they were all baptized. So, um, you know, I've come out of a denomination that practiced um, infant, so-called infant baptism. Uh, that was a problem to me as it is to many who are in denominations that still do that because they realize that really it can't be justified from a biblical perspective. Um, what is essential is if somebody did have a form of infant baptism, that they come to understand what that baptism means and they live in the good of it. And most people, when they do that, they want to be, not rebaptized, but they want to be baptized properly. They want it to be in response to the faith that they now have and the repentance that has taken place in their lives. So, you know, when, when I was an Anglican vicar, you see, people would... Um, in those days, especially years ago, more wanted their babies baptized or christened. So um, I, uh, when they came banging on the vicarage door, I would say, oh, you want your baby dead, you see. And they looked at me most strangely and said, well, come to the baptism preparation course and I'll explain to you what baptism means because, you see, your water baptism is a funeral service. It's the funeral of your old life. Uh, but, of course, a baby doesn't have an old life, has an old nature, has a, a sinful nature. So, um, uh, you know, when it, when it was explained to people, most people did not want their babies baptized or the parents became believers themselves. And then they wanted their children dedicated and given to the Lord. And obviously they would pray for the time and they would become believers themselves personally. I know this is a contentious subject, but... Um, Biblically speaking, it isn't. Biblically, it's very, very clear. What makes it contentious is what the church has done with baptism throughout its history. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 